everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast for our waiver wire show. I'm Bobby Sylvester, joined as always by Mike Taglier. We've got a jam-packed show today. We're going to be talking, like I said, about waiver wire pickups, going position by position. Then we'll give our top five tags, and I will count them down. We'll do a lightning round of drop or keep, and then we'll be talking trade advice on players you may be able to buy low or sell high. Tags, how's it going, buddy? It's good. I, I just saw something that totally blew my friggin' mind. Uh, as you know, like, you know, with the job we have, we have to start looking forward immediately to the next week and, and start writing. So uh, I, I started looking at this week's slate of games, and uh, I came across... Do you know... I'm guessing you haven't looked at this yet, because I'm, like, rid- ridiculously ahead of the curve, but Arizona is playing at Baltimore next week, Okay. Wow. Baltimore led the league in uh, in snaps last year, offensive snaps, 72. Mm-hmm. Were you just about to ask me that, like trivia, try to stump me? No, 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 no. I'm guess. <laughs> I, I want you to guess. I want you to guess what the line is in this game. Who's favored and how many? Um, I'm going to guess that Baltimore is favored by eight points and that the line is 45. The line It's 45 and a half the total, so you're right spot on there. Baltimore is favored by 13 and a half points. You've got to be kidding me. No way. That is stupid. I'm not a gambler, but if I was a gambler, I would be going to bet on the Cardinals like right now. Uh, we just we also found out that right before we went to record the show that Jimmy Smith is uh, suffered a, an MCL sprain. He's going to be out for a couple weeks. So they're down a starting cornerback. They're actually down two starting cornerbacks now. Uh, so against those four wide receiver sets that Arizona is running out there, I... I think this is overreaction by odds makers. Right. I mean, what did we expect? They went up against the Dolphins. The Dolphins look terrible. I mean, I talked about this on the on the, the, the recap show that we do Sunday nights with Dan, and uh, it was kind of ridiculous how easy it was for the Ravens in that game. It, I mean, there's already reportedly Dolphins asking for their release from the team. <laughs> I'm not I'm not making this up either, guys. Yeah, I was writing about Lamar Jackson, and look, he's got a ton of rushing upside. But he was sitting back there with all day in the pocket, passing to completely wide open receivers. He made some really stupid passes, and it takes a long time to get rid of the ball. We didn't seem under pressure at all. I think we can chill on Lamar Jackson. Yeah, if you've got him, start him. But don't be saying like he's a superstar or all of a sudden because that was a they're a horrible team in Miami this year. Yeah, I mean, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. I, I don't want to take anything away from Lamar Jackson, but to know like that game, like. <laughs> How oh, ridiculously easy everything came to the Baltimore offense was just ridiculous. And, you know, it's not to say that the Cardinals defense is great, but they're they're definitely better than the, than the Dolphins. So, Tags, you and Dan talked about the news last night on the Rapid Reaction Show. So we're not going to get into that. We're just going to get right into our waiver wire pickups. But first, I wanted to tell you guys about our waiver wire assistant. You know, every single week when I'm doing my waiver wire pickups, I use the waiver wire assistant. I couldn't imagine doing it without it, but I can kind of remember from a few years back when I'm going to like five, six different websites for all my different leagues and picking up these players and each one of them's different but now I can just go to the waiver wire assistant all on fantasy pros using my playbook and figure out who the best available players are in my league click the button and then it takes me to the page to add my players really quick so instead of taking like two hours to do all my league's waiver wire pickups it takes like 15 20 minutes I'm not even exaggerating either it's going to allow you to view the percentage of experts who would add a specific player to your roster, or you can pick your team of experts that you want to listen to. It even gives you detailed analysis of the impact each waiver pickup is going to have on your team. Now, it's only available to premium subscribers, so go premium today if you haven't already, and check out the waiver wire assistant at fantasypros.com slash myplaybook. Again, that's fantasypros.com slash myplaybook for the waiver wire assistant. All right, Tag, so obviously there were a lot of big performers yesterday, and some of these guys are on the waiver wire. Now, we need to talk about how much fab we need to spend. 
Overall, let me ask you this, though, because people are looking at John Ross, Marquise Brown, Malcolm Brown, and they're thinking, I need to spend some serious fab money to acquire these guys. I think this is a subpar week for waiver wire pickups. What would you say? I would tend to agree with you. I, I think this is more of a week not to overreact to players. And I think it's a it's a week where you should take a look at who people are going to be dropping. I think there's a lot of people who are overreacting to week one. And I think it's very possible that you're going to see better waiver wire targets after your waivers go through than you are right now, if that makes sense. Who are some of those names that are going to be dropped? Anthony Miller, Geronimo Allison, Corey Davis. I think all three of those guys are going to be dropped. I would rather have any of those three wide receivers. I'm not sure about Winston, but anything three of those wide receivers if they were on waiver wires they'd be my one two and three pickups yeah for sure there was some tough matchups in there so I mean we don't want to overreact guys just as I told people on the show last night you know I understand that Jameis Winston was terrible yesterday I get it I understand that Trubisky was terrible uh, against the Packers Rodgers was terrible guys Baker Mayfield was terrible you're not dropping those guys you're not over you're not panicking some people are dropping Matt Ryan I've seen a couple questions in my inbox today that's nuts I mean (laughs) we have this conversation after every week one though like People in your leagues are crazy. Don't be one of those people. Take advantage of them panicking. Yep, yep. Basically, that's what it comes down to. And we're going to talk about some of the, the options that I am. I do like off the waiver wire if you play in sharper leagues where people aren't going to overreact. But in majority of leagues, you're going to see a lot of good players drop this week. So is there anybody else that you could see potentially being dropped? Not necessarily. Uh, this is probably a week where you're, you're going to see people overreact about quarterbacks and, you know, guys like Geronimo Allison who are, you know, they played fewer snaps. You're also going to see guys, we already talked about Corey Davis. So it's like, he, those are the guys that I'm looking out for. Guys like Geronimo Allison, where he may not even be a contributor on your fantasy team right now, but if there's an injury in front of him, Geronimo Allison is going to be like legitimately a top 40 wide receiver every single week. And honestly, I've already started looking at this week's slate of games and Geronimo Allison is one of those guys where if you want to pick him up, I'm more than okay with it. I'm I'm not comfortable saying you should start him after a zero target game, but they're going to be going up against Minnesota and Minnesota just lost their starting uh, nickel cornerback, which means he's going to be going up against a backup that was kind of abused against the Falcons. So it's a situation to monitor and just say, all right, I'll pick up Geronimo Allison and just keep him on my bench. I posted this Sunday morning before I went to church, and I just wanted to remind you guys. Last year, Travis Kelsey had 1.1 points in week one. Will Disley had 16.5. Calvin Ridley put up a, a goose egg. A total bust. Everyone everyone was like, he's a total bust. You got to drop him. And, and so a lot of people picked him up. People were dropping Marlon Mack because he was injured. He ended up being a league winner. Everyone was super pumped about Isaiah Crowell's 22-point week. See, I told you. And then Kareem Hunt went for 4.9. Everyone's panicking. Tyrod Taylor put up 24 points. Matt Ryan put up 8, and everyone's wondering if his career's over. Guys, this happens every year. In fact, it happens every week. Just because this is happening in week 1 doesn't mean it's any bigger of a sample size than if it happened in week 8 or week 9. When Blake Bortles is the QB1 in week 9 a couple years ago, nobody was like, see, Blake Bortles is the greatest quarterback ever. These things happen every single week. Try to take it easy. Yep, that's that's the best advice you can give. All right, so let's move on to the running back position. And we're going to be talking about guys, tags, who are owned in less than 50% of leagues. So the majority of you should be able to scoop these guys up. Who is your number one running back this week? Is it Malcolm Brown, Gio Bernard, Ronald Jones? I'm going with Giovanni Bernard. And just because it's... It's weird, though, because there might be news that comes out after we record this show that like gives us more information about Joe Mixon because he did leave the game. He didn't return, obviously. They're saying it's an ankle injury. It doesn't seem like it's like of the high ankle variety. Whereas- MRI came back clean, by the way. There's just lots of swelling. 
Gotcha. Yeah, so he might miss a week, which is never obviously good, but it's more about the offense and the fact that the Bengals offense was competent, right? And like Giovanni Bernard is a guy that can give you RB2 production against San Francisco this week if Joe Mixon were to sit out. So this comes down to like, what are you looking for right now? And if you're looking for someone to kind of just, if you, if you play the zero running back approach and you're waiting for situations like this, you go and get G- Giovanni Bernard. Uh, you can grab someone like Chris Thompson, who I have as my number two waiver wire pickup, because those are guys that can contribute right away. Uh, they're going to have roles. Giovanni Bernard is going to have a role in this offense regardless. And knowing that AJ Green is out, knowing that Joe Mixon might be even limited if he comes back to the lineup, we're going to see Bernard get some touches. But then there's other guys we're going to talk about that you can kind of stash in your bench. And if you're looking for a guy that could potentially be more than just, you know, uh, you know, a, a timeshare running back, then that, that you go in a different direction. You know what they're saying is Joe, Joe Mixon might be able to come back in week two. And by the time this podcast comes out, it might be sure that Joe Mixon's coming back in week two, but I actually think that helps Gio Bernard because have you ever had like a bad sprained ankle tags? If you play on it, it's not going to go away. He's going to deal with this all season. Eventually he's going to have to take some time out. I think the most likely case is that Joe Mixon misses two to four weeks. He comes back and he's healthy. They take it easy. Bengals aren't trying to win now. You don't want to ruin Joe Mixon. Um, and so you just put Gio Bernard out there and he's a three down game script proof workhorse we've seen him in this role before and he wasn't rb1 now granted the offensive line's a lot worse zach taylor is there though and the offense looked pretty dang good against the seahawks so i think gio bernard we put him in as an rb2 if joe mixon's out yep that's exactly how i feel and like to know like we have to adjust on the fly right like green bay's offense looked like crap under matt lafleur looked like the same exact offense that we saw in tennessee and then we saw the Bengals' offense go into seattle on the road against a seattle team that maybe not it's not the same team they used to be i'm not going to sit here and say that but they do have a ferocious pass rush we were worried about the offensive line for the Bengals, but andy dalton is still throwing for 400 yards out there guys yeah he passed the ball 51 times he did who saw that coming by the way yeah it's, it's really weird in a, in a game that it was it was close throughout it was a neutral game script like there was no need for them to throw the ball 51 times that's just who zach taylor is apparently yeah zach taylor it's interesting even that defense had some interesting looks to it that that like kind of brought confusion to the seahawks i mean the seahawks pulled it out in the end but uh this is a this looks has the looks of a competent offense and when aj green comes back and maybe they get some pieces for the offensive line this could be a team to reckon with like zach taylor might be the real deal it might be a team that compiles fantasy points. I won't say it's a team to reckon with. If they win more than six games, I will be shocked, Tags. This defense is bad. The talent on defense is not its not great, especially the front seven. But they were doing things on defense under the, with their new defensive coordinator that was... They had like five-man fronts at times. I went back and watched this game because I was watching like DK Metcalf and I wanted to see why Tyler Lockett wasn't being targeted. Well, because he's Tyler Lockett, man. That's that's who Tyler Lockett has always been. Yeah, and now he's on he's on pace to catch a t- uh, touchdown every two targets, which is uh, just madness. So it's just like it's continuing <laughs> off last year. Doesn't that make you so mad? Uh, Everyone's like, see, there's no such thing as regression. Oh, there's definitely going to be. All right, guys, we'll talk fab here in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about NFL Game Pass. And only with NFL Game Pass can you replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. You know, every single Monday, I write this article on my game film takeaways. And I do that by watching NFL Game Pass because I can watch all the condensed games in 45 minutes. My favorite player to watch this weekend was Justin Jackson. Like Austin Eckler was good. Justin Jackson was really good. He just didn't get as many touches. And I'm most excited to rewatch Justin Jackson again next Monday. With NFL Game Pass, I can either replay the full broadcast version of the game or like I do, watch the 45 minute condensed games. If you haven't watched the condensed game, 
You got to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back. So you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. Like I said, it's how I'm able to write that article every Monday afternoon. Is Baker going to bounce back in week two? Can Patrick Mahomes destroy another defense? Is Miles Sanders going to run away with this backfield in Philadelphia? To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. And best of all, we've got a special offer for you. It's a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass, and you can sign up for that now at nfl.com slash fantasypros. All right, Tag. So your number two running back, you said is Chris Thompson. Now I've got him number four, but it's really close between one, two, three, and four on my list. I like to save fab money. Like, sure, if you've got Philip Lindsay and he's very clearly the starter behind a good offensive line, you spend 30 fab bucks, 40 fab bucks to acquire him in week one last year. We don't have that this year. I'd spend five or six to acquire Gio Bernard. Probably not going to get him. Um, but if I'm putting those bids out on Bernard, Malcolm Brown, Ronald Jones, Chris Thompson, which is my order, eh, I might get one of them. If you have Mixon on your roster, I think it's I think you should spend a little bit more for Bernard. I might go up to like the 12 or 12% range. Uh, but again, you, you might not get him just because people are so aggressive when it comes to running backs. And you're just hearing Mixon having a, a sprained ankle. It could lead people to think that he's going to be out, you know, two to four weeks, like you mentioned. So he's probably going to go for, I would say, 15 to 20% in most leagues. I, I think it's too much. Uh, Chris Thompson is a guy that you can get at a, at a crazy discount. Um, he's probably someone that'll be, you know, 10% or less uh, that you're going to be able to land on your team. And he's someone that can contribute in PPR leagues like right away. Washington is not going to be like, you know, they're not going to be winning very many games. And it's like the game script is going to start to go negative. And when it does go negative, you're going to see him rack up the receptions kind of like he did this week. Uh, I actually threw him in a couple DFS lineups because I figured the game script would be in his favor. And now we're hearing that Darius Geis had an MRI on his other knee, not the not the surgically repaired one, the, the ACL one, but the other knee. And they're saying he's going to miss a couple weeks now, which means that Adrian Peterson is suddenly back as the starter, a guy that doesn't catch passes. The reason we wanted to bump Chris Thompson down is because Geis is a true three down back. Adrian Peterson's not. Adrian Peterson relies entirely on game script. And there may be two games this season where Adrian Peterson goes off. I'll tell you what, though, you're not going to plan on those games because Washington's never going to be a four or five point favorite. We're never going to see that. So it's just going to be like, man, I could have started Adrian Peterson this week. I, I don't see if someone dropped Adrian Peterson because of Geis taking over a starter and Peterson being inactive. I wouldn't even think twice about picking up AP because when are you going to play him? Yeah, it's not it's not pretty, but it's one of those situations where it's like if you're playing in a league where you start three running backs or you start two running backs and three flex spots like some of my leagues, I think Peterson has some value in those leagues. I mean, I guess, but like what's the difference between him and CJ Anderson who you can pick up? At least you know CJ Anderson's going to get 10 touches. Well, Peterson did total 1,000 yards last year in the starting role, and it's not like it was a great team last year. So I don't want to sit here and pretend that Peterson has no value, but it's just it's like that RB3 territory. I mean, a little bit lesser version of, of Darius Geis who – by the way, he had like 18 yards on 10 carries. So, by the way, Case Keenum looked pretty good. I'm, I'm not expecting that to keep up. Don't hear me wrong, but um, yeah, he looked all right. Yeah, it's more on Chris Thompson for me. I think Chris Thompson. It's it's very possible that Chris Thompson has the most value in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would expect him to have the most value in the backfield. Where do you have him ranked rest of the season? Because every Monday we do our rest of the season rankings, and I move Chris Thompson up into my top 40 running backs. I also have him top 40. I'm pulling up the exact spot right now. I have him at 39, uh, my number 39 running back. So, again, that's in half PPR. If you're in a PPR format, I'd put him even higher than that because I do think that he offers you flex potential nearly every single week. He gives you a, a decent floor. He's not going to be someone who's going to win you your league or anything like that. But, again, if you're, if you're struggling at the running back position, you drafted Melvin Gordon, you drafted Lamar Miller, whatever the case is, grab Chris Thompson. 
You know, my biggest mistake when I was doing my rankings this week, Tags, is I was looking at the expected game scripts, and I relied on those to happen too much. There's just too much volatility. Like, who would have known that Washington was going to be up the majority of the game, right? Um, But you have to consider that that's a possibility. Um, And so I want to ask, like, yeah, Chris Thompson and Washington are going to be the underdogs most games, but are there going to be games where he just disappears? I don't know if there is, because, like, think about it. Washington was up in this game for a large majority of it. I think three full quarters. He had 10 targets. He led their team in in targets. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's just like there's a I mean, it it does help that Jordan Reed was out and Vernon Davis is like 90. But uh, Vernon Davis, by the way, his touchdown catch was kind of ridiculous. Oh, that wasn't that amazing, man. And then he's crying and everything, too. It was terrible defense. That's like for sure. Yeah, who cares? It was so fun. At the same time, to see him doing that, like at his age, is is pretty remarkable. But yeah, uh, Chris Thompson, ten targets in a game that it was mostly positive game script. So yeah, is Vernon Davis older than you, Tags? I believe so. How old is he exactly? He's thirty-seven. I'll be thirty-seven. Uh, actually, a week from uh today. Yeah. Happy birthday, man! Almost. Thanks. I'm getting there slowly. Uh, I'll be thirty-seven <laughs> on that day. <laughs> All right, Tags, my number two running back is Malcolm Brown. And this, don't hear me wrong, Todd Gurley looked explosive. He looked every bit as explosive. And he played 66% of the snaps. Now, that's a far cry from the 85% we were used to seeing. But 66% of the snaps is more than Alvin Kamara has averaged each of the last two seasons. And so Gurley's still going to be really useful. He looked really good. But as we've seen with Mark Ingram in Baltimore's offense, Tevin Coleman in Atlanta's offense, The number two running back in a very good running offense can be useful. Even if Malcolm Brown just just gets 35% of the touches, that's going to be enough to make him a, you know, usual flex play in my mind. I am worried about Gurley uh, quite a bit. I mean, he was a guy that was that was playing over 60 snaps per game, you know, last year. Like, he was just a guy that was continuing the lineup, and then we got towards the end. But don't you think they just want to, like, see how his knee responds? They said that he's not on a pitch count. He's going to go out there and play as much as we want to play him, um, which made me think, hey, I'm going to use him in GPP lineups because what if he just gets 30 touches like we've seen Gurley do before? I think they're taking it easy on his knee, though, right? I've, I watched a lot of that game. I'm going to go back and obviously rewatch the parts that I missed, but I watched a lot of it. And Todd Gurley did not look as good as Malcolm Brown. What? No, 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 no. I I will fight you over this. I'm telling you, I, I, I thought Malcolm Brown looked fantastic. Todd Gurley... Brown had two good carries. Todd Gurley was the superior runner in my mind. I disagree. I mean, the th- <laughs> Todd Gurley last year, by the way, people like like seem to overlook this too. Todd Gurley played more snaps than C.J. Anderson during the playoffs last year. He averaged 5.3 yards per carry while C.J. Anderson averaged 4.1 yards per carry. But then, but people are just like, they're forgetting about this. Like C.J. Anderson had a massive impact. Malcolm Brown had a massive impact in week one. I know that the snaps were in, t- in Gurley's favor. I get that, but... Malcolm Brown got meaningful carries in a game that was close throughout. Like that was a game that they wanted to go on the road. They wanted to win. And Malcolm Brown looked fantastic. Uh, Todd Gurley got into the open field. There was a one-on-one situation that he had that he potentially could have taken it for a touchdown, but he ran out of bounds. You're right. I remember that play, man. That kind of made me cringe. I don't, I don't see, I don't see a player that's like, you know, when I watch someone like Aaron Jones, like uh, Ezekiel Elliott, these guys run with urgency. Saquon Barkley, the guy runs with a purpose every single time. When I see Gurley, he's kind of like loafing around sometimes. And it's not, it's not who Todd Gurley has always been. You know, Arian Foster had that. He had that like thing where it just, he made it look like he was never really running full speed, but he made it work. 
So maybe that's the situation with Todd Gurley where it's just not like visually appealing to me, but it just looks like Malcolm Brown runs harder and with more of a purpose than Todd Gurley does right now. Well, yeah, I mean, Malcolm Brown, he's out there looking like Chris Carson in my mind. Yeah, that's kind of how he ran yesterday. Yeah, Todd Gurley, I I don't think he's ever been that type of runner. Um, He fits really well in this offense, man. The the zone read, Todd Gurley is a perfect fit. But this was a game, like he got 14 carries, Malcolm Brown got 11. This is a game that Todd Gurley was as fresh as he's ever going to be with that knee. This was as fresh as he was going to be. Against Carolina's run defense, though. I mean, they've got Luke Keekley over there. What'd you expect? Oh, right. I mean, they've lost a few members on that defense, but still, I I still, what I'm saying is Malcolm Brown looked just as good. And this is like, this worries me. I'm actually one of the guys that's saying I'd sell Todd Gurley if I got the right price. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing. Like, I know a lot of times you're thinking, well, I don't want to sell low on somebody, but there's certain points where. Somebody is going to think, I'm going to buy low on this guy. And then he's actually going to overspend because he really wants to go out and get Todd Gurley and he thinks he's being, you know, being sly and everything. I moved Todd Gurley way down. I had him to my running back six. I moved him down to running back 13 just because I was thinking there's a chance that he plays 85% of the snaps. And because of that upside, that RB1 overall upside, I had him higher, but it looks like this is who he's going to be. Yep. I, uh, I moved him down to the RB16 for the remainder of the season. Yep. All right, Tag, so I've got Malcolm Brown number two. Do you have Malcolm Brown number three behind Chris Thompson? And if you're so worried about Gurley, why don't you have Brown as your number one? I still feel like it's a timeshare, and this it really depends on what you want. He's another one of those guys that you can you can make a case for that he can give you production now, where if he's going to be getting you know 10-plus carries per game, he has value. Uh, but it's, it's more on like how much value can he really have if Todd Gurley's on the field? That's my concern. And I, I do believe that some of those touchdowns are going to start going Gurley's way. That's why I, I still have him as RB16. It's not like I said, oh, he's just an RB3 who's in a timeshare. He's still a high-end RB2, but I'm like, I'm worried about him. Whereas like Malcolm Brown hit, moved up significantly on my, off my draft board. He's more than just a handcuff now, but he I don't know how much value is there unless there's an injury to Todd Gurley. Him and Chase Edmonds are like the opposite. I was expecting Chase Edmonds to have standalone value and Malcolm Brown being the elite handcuff. Right. And Chase Edmonds played like four plays. <laughs> and Malcolm Brown was all over the field and he did look good. Um, he, he looked really good. But if Todd Gurley was to go down, I don't think Brown would get all of the touches. I think Daryl Henderson would be used on third down primarily. Yeah, he would definitely come in and like deliver. But that's... That's a small thing. I don't think Daryl Henderson's ready, and I think that's why he got one touch yesterday. He's not a guy that they they like. So many people were saying, "Oh, he's going to be the Camara on this offense." You know, he doesn't need to get so many touches. I'm laughing at the people that drafted him in the sixth <laughs> through eighth round. Uh, I was then, and I told people to stop doing it. Uh, Malcolm Brown was was a better value. I didn't think Malcolm Brown would have this much value right off the bat, but I mean, the Rams have told us all along this is who Malcolm Brown was. They didn't even use him in the preseason. They were like, "We got to keep this guy safe." Yeah. What about Ronald Jones? He's someone that if you're looking for a guy that could potentially like win a starting job and be the starting running back for the remainder of the year. Ronald Jones looked pretty good last week. Um, and I know it was the 49ers, but that, that 49ers defense, it's not the same defense that you're used to seeing, right? They added a lot of talent there. And obviously it hurt when they, when Quan Alexander got kicked out in the first quarter. Um, but, but Ronald Jones looked really good. He didn't look like a guy that lost very much burst despite the the weight that he put on this offseason. He said he wanted to get bigger and you know, bulk up for a bigger workload. And, to, to know that he was on the field, I know that he was like number three in terms of snap percentage on the team, but he had a, the most meaningful touches in the game and he looked the best of the running backs, whereas Peyton Barber is going to get what's blocked. And well, let's be honest, it's the Bucks offensive line, so it's not very much. And then you have Og- Ogunbowale, who is just, he's he's a third down guy. And, and if he's you know, getting some work on third downs, that's fine. But if Ronald Jones takes those meaningful snaps from Peyton Barber, he's going to be in that RB3 
like category nearly every single week. Yeah, I think so as well. I've got Ronald Jones number three on my list. I'd spend three or four fat bucks on him. I mean, this is a good offense. They're going to be on the goal line in the red zone. And I think Jones is going to separate himself from the pack. I, it was a committee in week one for sure. We may see a little bit more of that in week two. But when you watch the tape, Ronald Jones is clearly the best running back there. I think Bruce Arians has to see that. He's a very smart football man. He'll find his favorite. He'll give him the job. And while Ronald Jones doesn't have three down upside or anything like that, he does have eight touchdown upside. He can finish as an RB2. Yeah, absolutely. I said that in my player profile on him on this offseason. And, you know, it's more of a timeshare than I was really hoping for. But to know that Jones did look good in week one, uh, obviously, you know, Jameis Winston looked terrible. Bruce Arians is probably going to dial back the pass attempts moving forward. And we're going to see Jameis Winston probably play a bit more conservative and maybe check down a little bit more, which could be more targets to the running back position. It could be more rushing attempts. Unfortunately, their offensive line still sucks. But uh, at the same time, we're, we're looking to hopefully land a starting running back on the way wire and if you have a starting running back even like as we mentioned even with adrian peterson he has some value hey by the way for everyone being really excited about devin singletary he had four carries <laughs> frank gore had 11 uh, okay so tags a lot of people have been dropping justin jackson uh, because it's very clear that austin eckler is the starter there but when i watched went back and watched the tape he looked so good I mean, Eckler got in the end zone three times, but Justin Jackson looked freaking good, man. It's going to be so, so under-noticed, like undervalued, like underappreciated the way that Justin Jackson looked in that game. But it, it it is what it is. He did look fantastic. And he all he is is a handcuff. We talked about this on the show the last few weeks, saying that Eckler was the guy that was going to be in charge of that 65-35 split. And that's exactly what went down. You know, it was a tough matchup for running backs. The Colts were really good against the, the run last year, struggled against pass-catching backs. And that's where Eckler, you know, did a lot of his damage. 96 yards, two touchdowns through the air. So uh, Jackson does, he's like a, a very, very high end backup running back where, you know, when we start talking about the guys that you want to stash in your bench, like, you know, there's a reason that so many people are drafting Daryl Henderson. They want to be attached to that offense. Well, we've seen Melvin Gordon do it. We've seen Austin Eckler do it in that role. We've even seen Justin Jackson do it when he got the shot last year when Eckler and Gordon were hurt. So Justin Jackson, it, like as far as I'm concerned, Melvin Gordon's not coming back until like week 10. So Justin Jackson until that time remains one of the best handcuffs in football. I agree with that. I would put Justin Jackson, Jalen Samuels, and Tony Pollard all in the same boat. Except Tony Pollard, not that good. Well, he's not that good, but give me the offensive line. <laughs> oh, we're going to have this fight again, aren't we? Yes, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> All right, man. Other running backs that in deeper leagues, you might need to pick up someone like Raheem Mostert, Gus Edwards, who had, what, 17 touches just because it was a blowout. I mean, I think Justice Hill still is the number two. They just didn't use him because they were up 45 points. Uh, and then Mike Davis. We need to talk about him because on Thursday night, he outtouched David Montgomery. So which of these three would you rather go with? <laughs> I think Mike Davis has, like, if you're not starting any of them, Mike Davis, because he, it's going back to this offseason where I told people in drafts, like, I didn't know why Mike Davis was going undrafted. Yes, he has a role and you know, people are telling me, you know, you were right, Mike, he has a role. I'm like, I don't care about that. Like, that's not, that's not why I drafted Mike Davis to my bench. I drafted him there because he has dual handcuff, like, value. If something happens to Tree Cohen, he walks into that role. If something happens to David Montgomery, he moves into that role. Yes, he got more touches than David Montgomery, but David Montgomery is the running back to own. David Montgomery is probably one of the best buy lows in fantasy football. If you have people that are like having buyer's remorse and they spent a third or a fourth round pick on David Montgomery, you should go out and buy him right now. Yep, I would agree with that. If you can trade like your sixth or seventh round pick for David Montgomery, do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this on the show several times. 
David Montgomery might not open up the season as the starter. He's going to be it before long because he's the best running back in this backfield. But with rookie running backs, sometimes they don't know the entire playbook. They only know certain packages. And so they throw them out there for a few series and they use those packages. And it just takes a while for them to get up to speed. I think that's what happened here. And you can say Chicago's offense isn't very good. They've got a good offensive line. Mitch Trubisky looked terrible. But I think this came down to what you were talking about, Tags. They didn't get enough reps in the preseason because they didn't play their starters enough. They didn't want to get them hurt, and they looked like a team who was playing a preseason game. So I think they're going to be fine. And again, I think this Green Bay defense is so much improved. I think it's the most improved defense in the NFL, and uh, that that one looked pretty good this weekend. Now, I had some bad calls, okay, but the Green Bay defense, I think I got that one. You need to stick with that one, man. Let's talk about some (laughs) wide receivers. All right, before we go on over to wide receivers, I wanted to say congratulations to Jimmy, who won the Alvin Kamara helmet giveaway, and he also started Sammy Watkins this week, so he basically hit the jackpot twice. Congratulations to Jimmy from Kentucky, and we've got a new contest, by the way. You can check out the details at fantasypros.com slash contest, and guys, listen to this. We're giving away a signed Antonio Brown Raiders helmet. So he never played a snap for the Raiders. But this is basically history because you can look back at the time when Antonio Brown did the craziest stuff in NFL history when he was on the Raiders. A lot of it had to do with him not having a helmet. And we're giving away a signed Antonio Brown helmet. Again, to submit your entry, it's at fantasypros.com slash contest. And it takes just a few minutes to sign up. So besides the giveaways, you guys got to check out Pristine Auction. Tags and I are always on Pristine Auction because there's hundreds, even thousands of items that they auction off every day. So there's bound to be some great values. I found some really good values in my day. In fact, I just got a Kurt Schilling signed baseball for 20 bucks off Pristine Auction. So I grew up a Red Sox fan because my dad's from Boston. And I remember Kurt Schilling pitching in the World Series and just being an absolute superhero. So I'm adding that to my collection. Always looking at football stuff as well. They've got all kinds of stuff. And everything's guaranteed authentic from only the most trusted sources. Check out pristineauction.com. And when you do, use the registration code FANTASYPROS, all one word. It's going to give you $5 off. And it tells them that we're sending people your way. That way we can keep doing these contests like the Alvin Kamara helmet giveaway and the Antonio Brown helmet giveaway again that's pristineauction.com p-r-i-s-t-i-n-e auction.com all right who's your number one wide receiver i a lot of people are going to say marquise brown but tax he played 17 percent of the snaps man yeah a lot of people don't realize that he played it was i went back and it was 14 snaps is what he played it's just this baltimore team guys Lamar Jackson's not going to go 17 for 20 uh, like every game. You know, He's not playing the Dolphins every game, guys. I feel like this team was just not prepared at all. And again, if you go back and watch the game, it was just kind of ridiculous. I like Marquise Brown, the player. Uh, I, I like him an awful lot. And I think that he was someone that was falling too far in dynasty drafts. But uh, playing 14 snaps is not going to get it done. I would much rather go to the waiver wire and get Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder, 17 targets. <laughs> I used him in my cash games in DFS, and I was loving that, man. He legitimately had more targets than Marquise Brown had snaps. Wow, dude. That's a good stat. Yeah, he had just as many receptions as Marquise Brown had snaps. So, I mean, we, we, were, we were talking about this in the offseason as well, where Adam Gase, the slot receiver, is obviously very important to him. We saw that when they signed Danny Amendola and Albert Wilson last year. And then we saw... And Sam Darnold. He, Sam Darnold loves slot receivers. Exactly. There's so much tie in here. Now, it does help that, you know... They have a suspension to Chris Herndon, and you know he's missing time. But Jameson Crowder is obviously a big part of moving the ball. Robbie Anderson has one of the toughest schedules in all of football when it comes to top-tier cornerbacks. So unless you think that you know Quincy Anunua is going to break out, I, I think Jamison Crowder is going to be peppered with targets. So 
he's someone. So he's your number one receiver then? He is my number one receiver. Uh, he just offers weekly viability, especially in PPR leagues where it's like, if you're someone that like slacked at the wide receiver position in your draft and you're like, well, Jameson Crowder is somehow available in my league. He could be like a PPR wide receiver three most weeks. I drafted Jameson Crowder in a lot of leagues. I'm feeling pretty good about that, but he's a low end wide receiver four. That's kind of what his upside is, right? For me, I want to chase the guy who could break out. And I think that's John Ross. And it's, you know, A.J. Green's coming back. Tyler Boyd's not going anywhere. But if Zach Taylor's really going to throw the ball 600 times, I think he can support three three wide receivers. Now, Andy Dalton's not great, but they're going to be playing from behind a lot, and they're going to pass the ball a ton. John Ross, watching the tape, man, I don't know if there was a more improved player this year than John Ross. I always told people that John Ross was really good at football, but nobody wanted to listen to me. And I, said, I mean, I, I believed you. I believed you, dude. <laughs> I'm just saying, like... I drafted him in so many best ball leagues because of your advice. Well, the thing is, is like, you know, I, I've said it before, and I... I don't want to sit here and say that John Ross all of a sudden just got good. Like he's been good at football, but the thing is, is like changing an offensive system means so much to NFL players. And I, that really cannot go like unnoticed. You you can't sit here and tell me that it doesn't matter that the talent comes through. It doesn't all the time. Zach Taylor, it looks good so far. And I, I, again, John Ross is someone that I do like. I am not going to overreact to one week just as I am not overreacting to the guys that didn't perform. I'm not going to sit here and say that John Ross is suddenly a guy that, oh, you could just plug in your lineup every single week. I'm going through his matchup. I went through his matchup earlier today, and he's going to be going against the 49ers in week two. And they have uh, Akella Witherspoon and Richard Sherman as their as their top two cornerbacks. Both of those guys run like a 4-5-40, which means they don't have the speed built to equip someone like to handle someone like John Ross. If Zach Taylor continues to use him well, and by the way, he had Ross in the slot 37% of the time. This is fantastic. Why? Because John Ross, when you're in the slot, it's difficult for safeties to track your play. So if so many people are saying, well, they're just going to track a safety, they're going to lean a safety over his side of the field. If he's moving all over the formation like he did in week one, it's going to be extremely hard for them to track him. And you do not game plan around someone like John Ross, especially when you have A.J. Green come back. So when A.J. Green comes back, some people are going to panic. I think John Ross could be potentially even better. I'm not saying he's going to have a better week than he did in week one, but I'm saying like... He's going to be like the Brandon Cooks of this offense. That's that's basically the role that they have for him. And then Cooper Cup, the role for him would go to Tyler Boyd. And then you have AJ Green acting as a, as a Robert Woods, somebody that could be used all over the place. But I was really encouraged to see Zach Taylor's offense. Like I said, they looked extremely competent. And that's all I was looking for. To go into Seattle and do that was a tough thing to do. So... Uh, uh, definitely looking forward to seeing John Ross like being talked about in a good light because I was just I was really tired of hearing him called a bust playing for Marvin Lewis. Uh, it was just Agreed. it was unfortunate. So tags a lot of people are getting really excited about John Ross and Marquise Brown and stuff. Who would you rather have, Christian Kirk who had 32 receiving yards in Week One, or John Ross who had what 158? Yeah, I I would take John Ross over Christian Kirk. What? Christian Kirk had 13 targets. I know he did, but that offense also, they, they played into overtime. They threw the ball, what was it, 52 times? Kyler Murray had, I saw a stat earlier today, and I'm so sorry. I think it was air yards or something like that, that in regards to Kyler Murray's game had more air yards from him. It was like the, since 2002 or something like that, it was the 13th hot most air yards in a single game, which means there was a whole lot up for grabs for Cardinals wide receivers. So to know that Christian Kirk didn't partake in that necessarily with his 32 yards or whatever it was he finished with is a little worrisome. The good thing, the really good thing, I will say this. They run a lot of four wide receiver sets and so many people, I, I've been continually saying that Christian Kirk is a long-term slot receiver, that I believe that he's like a Golden Tate type mold player. Can he play on the perimeter? Sure. 
Ideally, he's in the slot. Well, so we just got to wait for Larry Fitzgerald to retire. He no, he actually played seventy five percent of the snaps in the slot, whereas so did Larry Ooh. Fitzgerald. When they're four wide, it allows them to have two slot wide receivers. And Christian Kirk is moving in there. That's why you're not seeing guys like Andy Isabella on the field right now. You're seeing Keyshawn Johnson. You're going to start to see uh, Michael Crabtree, who's expected to be active in Week Two. So. For me, I mean, Kirk is fine and he's going to have some weeks, but uh, I think that John Ross is, he's a clear, he's a clear cut number two option in the offense right now. He's going to, for, for three more weeks. Right. We don't know how, when AJ Green's coming back and we don't even know if AJ Green's going to be the same player. Will he be a decoy? We don't know, but I'll, I will take the upside in John Ross. You know, I think Christian Kirk kind of the number three receiver for his team too, because you've got Larry Fitzgerald, who was, he's clearly very good still. We forget about that because he was playing with Drew Stanton and Sam Bradford and Josh Rosen and everything like that. But he looked awesome yesterday. And then you've got David Johnson, who, let's be honest, is the number two option even in the receiving game. So yeah, I think that's probably pretty close. I've got them both as wide receiver fours right now. To be fair, yeah. And if you told me you wanted Kirk over him, I don't think it's like a slam dunk or anything like that. I it, it is, you know, we talked through it and you make some good points on him. Is one thing clear? Would you rather own both of those guys than Dante Pettis? Oh, man. Dante, I was going to put him in the lightning round for a drop or keep, but let's just do it now. Drop him. <laughs> I don't want to drop him, but it's so hard. Like, if there was a better... There's no way you're keeping Dante Pettis, right? I'm not starting him. That's absolutely for sure. And <laughs> I mentioned on the show last night, like, he didn't play much. Uh, he played two snaps. That's that's what he played in week one. Well, part of that was because he was banged up. Well, so that's another thing. So Kyle Shanahan, that's what he said after the game. He said that he was behind in the game plan, even though he practiced in full on Thursday and Friday, which... Ten, that's usually when you see someone... But then again, why would you play him two snaps if he was banged up? Why wouldn't you just sit him out? Yeah, I, I think it's a bunch of crap. I think Kyle Shanahan is playing shenanigans and um, maybe he's trying to get fired so that he can go coach for the Patriots. So frustrating, dude. <laughs> so uh, my clear cut number one and two receivers are Ross and Crowder. You can put them in whatever order you want. Again, I'm not spending more than four or five bucks on these guys. How much would you spend on Crowder? You're number one. Uh, Crowder, I, I he's someone that if you need wide receiver help, he's definitely worth, you know, 10 to 15 percent. John Ross is a, is a guy that you're probably going to have to pay more for. I think that people are going to go to town on John Ross, like just looking for that potential like home run. I don't know if I'm willing to go up as high as people are on him. Like, but it, it all depends though, because Marquise Brown is probably going to be a guy that people target as well. He's he's higher owned than John Ross right now. Uh, you know, he did have just as big a game. People are high on Lamar Jackson. I don't know, man. That's uh, John Ross. I don't think that you should have to spend more than like eight bucks to get him like eight percent of your fab budget but he's going for 20 he's going for 25 yeah i think the max i would go like let's let's pretend let's pretend that i really do want him and i really feel like he's going to be something i think like 15 percent maybe i think that's the max i would go on ross i just don't think wide receivers that aren't like clear-cut number ones deserve to go for that much to go for 20 or something like that so i have that first tier ross and crowder and then there's a big second tier, like six wide receivers that I could see spending a buck for, and maybe one of these guys will contribute. Who do you have at the top of that tier, Tags? Marquise Brown is someone that I'm still willing to do it. I think part I think part of the reason that he um, he only played those 14 snaps is because it was a blowout. And because he's coming off the injury. Like, if he wasn't, maybe they would get him more reps, but... That's exactly the thing. I think there's part of it that, that comes down to game script, and I think there's part of it that they want to protect him, and that he's coming off the list Frank injury and all that. So... I still don't think Baltimore is going to be a pass first offense. We definitely saw the best game of Lamar Jackson's 2019 season uh, in week one. So like you're, this is like a, this is like an all time high. I just think that he's going to go much more expensive than even, even John Ross. So that's why I'm probably not going to end up with Marquise Brown. If you want to like, if you want a discount on someone, he's not on our list here. I don't know how much he's owned, 
but I don't I didn't think he was that much owned. But DK Metcalf is someone I would I would grab over Marquise Brown. Metcalf looked really good. Like he, he like Russell Wilson led the team in targets because it's not going to be Lockett, so it had to be someone. But Russell Wilson trusts him. Like he already trusts him. Like he was in one on one with William Jackson, who's been a really good NFL cornerback. And and DK Metcalf uses his body extremely well to shield a defender. And Russell Wilson knows that already. So if he's willing to throw it to him in one on one situations, there's going to be a lot of DK Metcalf. Now, is it going to be predictable? Not when the Seahawks are throwing the ball twenty freaking times a game, but DK. I mean, for him to get six targets in a game that they threw the ball just 20 times. That's a, that's a rather large target share. So DK Metcalf two weeks off a knee scope. Yeah. DK is, is someone that I would rather own the Marquise Brown. I lied by the way. It was not DK Metcalf who led the team in targets. It was Chris Carson. How about that? (laughs) Well, (laughs) Metcalf had more targets than everybody else combined though. Tyler Lockett, Nick Vanette, Will Disley. Those were the only other guys to get targets. So yeah, Disley got hurt. So um, he's, I don't know how much time he's going to miss. If he's going to miss or whatever. Yeah. Disley got hurt and uh, Nick Foles got hurt. So so Jeff Swaim didn't happen. (laughs) Jeff Swaim was (laughs) never going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All right, I've got A.J. Brown just ahead of Marquise Brown, and the reason why is that Marcus Mariota actually looked healthy for the first time since he was the quarterback one for an eight-week stretch. Marcus Mariota, I think we forget, was really good at one point. He had multiple passing touchdowns in all eight of those weeks, and I think we might get that type of season for Marcus Mariota this year because he's now got Corey Davis, Delaney Walker, A.J. Brown, Adam Humphreys, and last year all he had was Corey Davis, and everyone was just double-teaming him or lining up a shadow corner against him and shutting him down. Mariota didn't look very good. I know he's healthy and all that, but if you remove the the one Derrick Henry catch that basically he didn't do anything on, he threw it at Derrick Henry's feet. He did everything he could to make that pass incomplete, but Henry scooped it up off the ground and ran it for 75 yards. It was basically all after the catch. If you take away that one ball, uh, he's down to suddenly under 150 yards passing You know, with two touchdowns. I'm sure Cleveland was like, what in the world are they doing? They're not passing the ball to Derrick Henry. This can't be real. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it happened. And we talked about Henry and the fact that he's just a guy that could take it 80 yards at any point. Uh, And and Mariota does have the best weapons that he's ever had in his career. I, I said that it was possible that, you know, Delaney Walker was the glue that held everything together, and he looked fantastic in week one. He was a guy that obviously, you know, I had him as my number seven tight end last week, so I was high on Walker. I felt like the matchup was great. Corey Davis, brutal matchup against Denzel Ward. Don't drop him, guys. Well, what do you expect? It's Denzel Ward, man. He's really good at his job. Yeah, but this is the reason I'm not going to pick up A.J. Brown, though, because I don't think that there's enough room on this team for consistent production out of almost anybody. I mean, we've heard Mike Vrabel say, Corey Davis is the best receiver on this team, and it's not close. Like, he has said that out loud to the media. That means that Corey Davis, if there's going to be one that's going to be consistent, it's going to be him. Remember Adam Humphreys? He was somebody that people were excited about after the preseason game. Oh, he's going to get targeted so much. He had one target. So it's like, you know, A.J. Brown, he wasn't even listed as a starter. He came in. I I just think this had to do more with Corey Davis and the matchup that he had uh, versus A.J. And I like A.J. Brown. But, like, watch Brown's tape. His footwork is impeccable. He's got good, strong hands, lots of body control. He's got, like, a veteran-like awareness. He's a good, polished football player. A.J. Brown is good at football. Like, I hated the landing spot for him. I really did. It it just felt like, oh, you did this to me with Corey Davis. I'm not falling for it again. Um, So, A.J. Brown, I I like the player. I like him an awful lot. Um, Him and DK were my one and two receivers, and, like, those two were my top guys. I like him, but I I can't like him on this team so much. So, he's actually— In the draft class, you mean, not for waiver wire pickers. Right, yeah. He's actually down—he's down— 
like my wide receiver 10 on the waiver wire. I'm not picking him up, basically. So who do you have number four behind Marquise Brown then? Devontae Parker. He's just 12% owned. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we watched the Dolphins, right? Like we, we saw what happened against <laughs> the Ravens. and I saw Devontae Parker go up and rip that ball away with his big, strong hands. Man, he is an impressive athlete. This is a team that's going to have to throw the ball an awful lot. And they only had 32 pass attempts this past week. I mean, things, I, I don't think they can get much worse than they did against Baltimore this week, but 32 pass attempts is what came out of it. Josh Rosen came in uh, through just three passes. One of them happened to be an interception. So I, I think they're going to go back to Ryan Fitzpatrick as the starter. They're playing against New England this week at home. They beat New England at home last year, by the way. The line that game. Yeah, I know they did. <laughs> that, was my, that was one of my bold predictions and you laughed at me. Uh, it, I mean, you want to do it again? No, 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 no. <laughs> the Patriots are 17 and a half point favorites in that game. But Parker, they're going to be in so many pass-heavy scripts, and I think that's why we only saw 10 rushing attempts out of the Dolphins team last week. So there's going to be pass attempts, and it's just like you're looking for volume. He's the number one on that team. Uh, Now Albert Wilson's hurt too, so the targets, they have to go somewhere. Well, Preston Williams looks really good too. Now, I'm not saying he's better than Devontae Parker, but when I watched the tape this morning, Preston Williams popped off the film. He looked spectacular, man. Hey, he reminds me of Miles Austin. You remember him with the Dallas Cowboys? This freak athlete who played at a small school and went overlooked. And he's just really good. Well, Preston Williams had some off the field stuff, and that's he he fell, but he is a very talented individual. Uh, you know, he's going to be the the number two receiver in this offense opposite Devontae Parker. And then again, if Albert Wilson's forced to miss time, the wide receiver core just looks even worse. I, I think Jakeem Grant is probably going to walk in and play snaps in the slot. So. I mean, we could we could see targets for him, and he scored a touchdown uh, this week, and it was an impressive one too. So I, I do like Preston Williams, the talent. I just happen to think that Devontae Parker is still the number one. So a couple other players people are excited about. Terry McLaurin had the big catch for Washington. It was it wasn't exactly blown coverage, but it was questionable coverage at best. Um, but he looked pretty good otherwise. DJ Chark had a big game, but they've got Gardner Minshew and his mustache going. Uh, I don't know. He might actually be better than Nick Foles. He looked really dang good, but I'm not excited about DJ Chark or Chris Conley. A lot of people are picking them up. I mean, they're not playing the Chiefs every week, guys. So, And then Hardman, obviously, would tie Kill out for a little bit, and you just play whoever is Patrick Mahomes is going to be passing to. So of all those guys, do you like any of them, or is it Philip Dorsett, Trey Quinn, Keyshawn Johnson, who had double-digit targets? No. I mean, after the guys we've already talked about, the only guys that I'd be looking at, Danny Amendola, uh, he has a much bigger role. This was one of those things that I kind of saw, and I was unwilling to invest in it, but it really obviously worked out because Amendola went over 100 yards, saw double-digit targets. Randall Cobb. And that Dallas offense, the Dallas offense looked really freaking good. You know, it's obviously a new offense that they installed there, and it looked much more creative. That was a game they didn't need to pass a whole lot, but Randall Cobb did some work. Uh, All three wide receivers did some work in that game. Uh, Trey Quinn is another guy that these are these are guys that you could snap in like PPR formats and keep on your bench where it's like if you have a a wide receiver like a like a Mike Williams who's dealing with a knee injury and you don't know if he's going to play. You could stick them in your lineup as a in a PPR league and just, you know, get a, a decent floor out of those guys. How good was Michael Gallup, by the way? <laughs> so I mean, I, I we've been hearing he was the most improved player at Cowboys camp. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize he became this good of a football player. He's awesome. Gallup's, yeah, Gallup's good. I remember writing his rookie profile thinking like, I really hope this kid goes somewhere that he can get a shot because he was someone who had some question marks uh, about his schooling and like uh, he was forced to go to a smaller school because his grades weren't good. And uh, But he looked really good um, as a player, as a prospect. And I'm just happy to see him get an opportunity. He went through uh, like some a lot of stuff last year, losing his brother 
So uh, he's a guy that I root for. Uh, Michael Gallup is just, uh, he looked fantastic. I mean, everybody did. Even Amari Cooper, like getting the, I know Dak looked good, but the receivers were doing work, man. Like Amari gave him multiple yards of separation. And it's just like, hey, throw the ball up. Let me run underneath it. And, and Dak did it. Dak played phenomenally as well. Like, I don't know if the Cowboys offense will look much better than they did in week one. And that's saying something considering Ezekiel Elliott had a, an average day. All right, before we jump on over and talk about quarterbacks, I want to tell you about Fantasy Draft, the only rake-free daily fantasy site in the business. They partnered with Hooters to bring you the largest guaranteed rake-free contest lineup in the history of daily fantasy sports. And they're back for week two of the NFL season with another massive rake-free $1 million contest, the Hooters Million. That's right, Fantasy Draft is the only daily fantasy site where you can play rake-free contests 100% of the time. Listen, as other fantasy sites continue to raise rake, Price pools are being squeezed, making it harder for players like you to win. Whether you want to call it rake, commission, or management fee, the days of paying 10, 12, or even 16% of your entry fees to fantasy companies are over. No longer are you going to lose 30% of your bankroll to the house. To access all of Fantasy Draft's exclusive rake-free contests, all you need to do is become a member. Sign up at FantasyDraft.com today using the promo code FANTASYPROS, all one word. That's going to give you a 7-day free trial on your first $1,000 of rake-free entry fees. That's FantasyDraft.com, promo code FANTASYPROS. Don't miss your shot at millions of dollars in rake-free contests this season. Start playing on Fantasy Draft today. Your bankroll is going to love it. Hey, by the way, did you guys know we have a YouTube channel? So Tex and I don't just do the podcast. We also do live streams on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasypros. We do our waiver wire live stream every Tuesday at 1 o'clock Eastern time. I also do my Thursday show where I'm going to be talking start, sit, and Tex does his Sunday morning show. So make sure to hit that subscribe button on youtube.com slash fantasypros so you get notifications for all our future live streams and videos. So a lot of people are going to go out and drop Jameis Winston or one of these quarterbacks and pick up Marcus Mariota, Matthew Stafford. Andy Dalton. I would advise against doing that, but if you need a streamer, Tags, I'm assuming you would too. Uh, you wouldn't go pick up one of these quarterbacks. You would just go for a streamer in week two. Oh yeah. I don't think any of the guys that you're going to find in the waiver wire are like going to be consistent starters. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Josh Allen, Josh Allen is out there and you know what? He had two interceptions. Both of them were tipped. He looked pretty good, man. He actually looked pretty good. He was standing confident in the pocket, looked poised, big, strong arm, throwing off the run with accuracy, leading his receivers. He looked pretty good. And you know he's going to run the ball, too. I mean, he led the team in, in carries, didn't he? I He probably did. I mean, he probably did, even though they're they're not like design runs. He just takes off running. Uh, but I like Josh Allen this week. Uh, they're playing the Giants. That That's a team. But, like, who are you going to drop for him? If I've got Mitch Trubisky, I'm playing Trubisky over Allen. You're not dropping Jameis Winston or Matt Ryan. This week, I'll have Josh Allen ranked over Trubisky. This week, uh, Josh Allen's going to be playing the Giants, and Trubisky's going to be uh, headed out to Denver to play his old defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, who, by the way, knows every—I'm I'm guessing he knows all of Trubisky's weaknesses, which kind of looks like a lot right now. All right, so who would you stream next week? Is it Josh Allen, or would you go with Derek Carr against Kansas City? Without Antonio Brown, it's pretty ugly. Uh, um, I, I, I don't really want to rely on Derek Carr if I don't have to. He's just a very up-and-down quarterback. It's not to say that that matchup doesn't call for a lot of passing yards. I think, if anything, Jalen Richard becomes somebody that I would grab. Like, I don't know what's going to happen in the game tonight with Jalen Richard, but I imagine he's going to be heavily involved against Casey. If you're looking for someone else, I guess Andy Dalton would be someone that, I mean, if I can't get Josh Allen, Dalton would be someone that I'd probably be willing to stream. What about like Fitzpatrick against the Patriots? No. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we saw what they did to Big Ben and granted Big Ben's not very good anymore. He doesn't have Antonio Brown. They just looked like a train wreck last night, but 
he's not Ryan Fitzpatrick's not as good as Big Ben. Yeah, no, I, I don't want to do that. Like like I said, Dalton against San Francisco. I I think I'd probably go there just knowing that Mixon might not be uh, playing in that game. You know, Giovanni Bernard is a competent running back, but they're not going to run the ball a whole ton. Uh, and San Francisco's secondary is their biggest weakness. I mean, their front seven is now a strength. I'm looking for a tight end streamer tags, and uh, there isn't one. I mean, I guess you can pick up Darren Waller. Um, just because Antonio Brown's gone, Tyrell Williams is going to lead the team in targets. I think Waller's going to be number three behind Jalen Richard, but there's a big enough role for him that if you need to use him in a week, you can. But Greg Olson, 67% owned. Uh, Jimmy Graham is over 50% owned. Even Trey Burton, who's out, over 60% owned. So if you want to pick someone up, you've got to go down to Tyler Eifert, who didn't really play that well. Uh, Jack Doyle, who's going up against Tennessee, one of the hardest matchups. I guess you could go Dallas Goddard against Atlanta. there's no streamer that I would feel comfortable playing this week. Waller is definitely someone I would play. Like if he's available, you grab him, like grab him now. Um, but uh, you're not going to hear this. He's going to be on the waiver wire. So Waller is someone that's worth it. The tight end position after losing uh, Antonio Brown, he's basically going to be their Jared cook 2.0 and Tyrell Williams is going to be the Jordy Nelson of that offense. Yes. Josh Jacobs is an upgrade over Doug Martin. Uh, he's going to catch some more passes, but I think it's very likely that Darren Waller sees 80 plus targets this year, which almost locks him in for, you know, top 12 production. So Waller, he's going to be a little bit more inconsistent than most tight ends in the top 12, but that it, it comes with the territory with the tight end position. So getting him for free against a Kansas City team that allowed uh, 2.1 PPR points per target last year to the tight end position, he's going to be a, a great guy to stream next week. And if if you're looking even further down, it's it gets ugly. I know you mentioned Tyler Eifert, but uh, Eifert, CJ Uzama are are two guys that are sharing snaps. Like there's like they legitimately ran almost the same exact amount of pass routes. Um Uzama was actually targeted I think one more time than Tyler Eifert, so it's it's definitely not a situation that you need to attack or want to attack. All right, DST streamer, Carolina's only 6% owned going up against Jameis Winston who looked horrible. Now granted everyone had the flu in Tampa Bay. Um, so that may be a different situation, but it was ugly. So you might want to pick in on them or Kansas City uh go, travels to Oakland. And they don't really have many weapons. Their offensive line's not very good. Oakland's going to be playing from behind, so more sacks, more interception opportunities. Do you pick one of them up? Buffalo against the Giants. Green Bay looked really good. They go up against Minnesota, who I think has an inferior offense to Chicago. People from Minnesota are going to kill me for this. <laughs> but I think Chicago has a better offense. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not saying anything about that. After week one, I'm not going to say anything good about the Bears. Uh but the, the Panthers are the team I would target. Uh, they're going to be playing on Thursday night, and, Tam- and they're going to be at home, by the way. Uh, meanwhile, Tampa Bay is going to be traveling. So it's, it's a short week. Traveling on a short week is always tough to do. And, you know, Jameis Winston, obviously, you know, he's not protected very well. He, you know, in terms of his turnovers, he... <laughs> I mean, if he's not turning the ball over, that means he's probably not doing anything. He's a very, you know, risky quarterback, and that's just what he does. Uh, while the Panthers did lose Julius Peppers and Thomas Davis this offseason, they added guys like Gerald McCoy. They added Brian Burns. Uh, Bruce Irvin was inactive this week, but he's also on the team. So uh, the Panthers would be the defense or... I like Indianapolis at Tennessee, too. That's that's not bad. Taylor Lewan's still going to be out, but the, the Chiefs are the other defense that I would uh, go with because the Raiders, as we mentioned... Um, not only do they not have Antonio Brown, but they're going to be without Richie Incognito. They're starting uh, one of their starting guards, and he's probably their best offensive lineman. The last time the Chiefs defense saw Derek Carr, they held him to 185 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, and sacked him three times. All right, Tags, we're going to go lightning round of drop or keep. So how this works, no analysis, just straightforward advice. Drop him or keep him. You ready? I will try my best. Dante Moncrief. 
Keep. I'd keep two. So let's move on to Marquise Goodwin. Drop. Yeah, he did nothing. Drop him. All right, let's go running back here. Devin Singletary. Keep. I'm keeping him as well. What about Kenyon Drake? Keep. Keep, yeah. I know a lot of people are going to just panic because Miami's offense is so bad, but I would keep him. Uh, Jordan Howard. Mm. I don't see any situation where he's good. Handcuff. I mean, if Miles Sanders were to get hurt, like he would. Yeah, but like we're talking about a handcuff who would likely be in a committee. Well, he's a handcuff. Yeah, but he's a handcuff in a high scoring offense. Uh, just he's one of those guys that it depends. It really depends. It's I don't feel the need to keep him because it's like, oh, my God, he has so much value. But it's more or less like a high end handcuff. I would drop him for Gio Bernard if I needed to. Um, Naheem Hines. Drop. Drop. Daryl Henderson. Drop. All right, and this is a big one, Tags. Justice Hill. I have him as a drop. Why? Oh no! Not I'm not I'm not happy about. It. I don't I don't think I don't think it's a must drop, but I would rather have Chris Thompson. Like if he's the worst player in your roster, and you you could pick up Chris Thompson, you would. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't think I'm quite there yet because even watching Justice Hill, he had what seven touches. He looked really good in those seven touches. They didn't give him a ton, and uh, everyone thinks Gus Edwards is the number two, but I still think Justice Hill has a chance to take over this starting job in this run-first offense. So I'm holding him. I, I don't blame people. It just depends on who you're dropping him for, I guess. All right, Eric Ebron. <laughs> Drop. <laughs> he, play, he played like half the snaps that Jack Doyle did, and he wasn't targeted very much, and he dropped the touchdown. He's the easiest drop we've had. Uh, Big Ben. He was a drop to begin with. He was. Yeah, neither of us even have him in our top 20 quarterbacks <laughs> rest of the season, so I would drop him. All right, Tex, let's move on to some trade advice, and I want to talk some buy-low players really quick. So why don't you just give me two or three names that you'd be targeting to trade and to trade for? I mean, I, I guess I'm going to start with trade away because I, I already mentioned Todd Gurley. Like, I've made the case for him, and uh, knowing that he did total 101 total yards, knowing he had a high yards per carry, some people might be willing to um, trade for him, thinking they're getting a deal on a guy that, you know, is still a, a, an RB1, maybe a low-end one. But depending on what you're getting in return, I, I might take a chance on some guys that might possess total workhorse possibilities, you know what I mean, where, where someone's panicking. Would you rather have him or Marlon Mack? That was actually right where I put him. I put him right next to Marlon Mack, and I had Mack one spot higher. Um, it's it's very close, but again, I, I just felt like this was a, a week where it's like Todd Gurley was going to be at his most, most healthy time, where this is like, this might be the max amount of snaps that he's going to play, and knowing it was a close game, it's just this this might be it like in terms of like his his ceiling for snaps. And again, some of those touchdowns are going to go his way, but I, I'm looking to sell him potentially uh, just because... Again, I just don't know what the ceiling actually is. Would you sell high on Allen Robinson or was it the real deal? I would sell high on Allen Robinson, actually. Oh, wow. Really? I was not expecting you to say that. Yes. I, um, he's someone that I was drafting everywhere. I talked about him and Alshon Jeffrey as guys that, I, that were, were steals in drafts. But it's gotten to the point now where some people are saying Allen Robinson's a borderline wide receiver one. Okay, no, I'm selling him. Uh, yeah, and that's the, <laughs> if someone's going to pay that price, I'm selling him. Right. He's not someone that like you, you want to give away and like just because you think he's a wide receiver three. I still think he's in the wide receiver two territory. But knowing that Trubisky, you know, is as inconsistent as he's been, you know, we, and like knowing how many options they have in this offense. Again, David Montgomery wasn't used at all. Cohen got some targets. Mike Davis is going to be used. Anthony Miller only played 15 snaps. That's not going to happen. Understand the Bears threw the ball 45 times in that game. 
that's not going to happen very often with the Bears. Like, I think ideally the Bears have Mitch Trubisky average around 30 pass attempts per game. That's going to bring down the ceiling for Allen Robinson. Again, he is a very good football player. If you were talking in, in terms of pure football skill, I think Allen Robinson is a top 15 wide receiver in the NFL. However, the, the situation, it's its more of a spread offense. When Trey Burton comes back, he's going to get some of those targets. So uh, there was just a lot of things that led to him doing well. But again, he should have had a bigger game than 107 yards or whatever it was. Uh, but but he's someone that if you're able to get, you know, someone like... I'd take Chris Godwin. I would take Godwin. I'd take Adam Thielen, Brandon Cooks, Stephon Diggs. Yep. I would take, yes, I actually, everybody you named there, uh, I would take over Allen Robinson. And again, I'm not, it's not necessarily low on Robinson, but it's more about what the perceived value of it is of him right now. So many people are saying, well, Trubisky had a really bad game, so it can only go up from here. Not necessarily. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm selling Julian Edelman with Antonio Brown coming to town. Josh Gordon's there. James White is obviously going to have a big role. I feel bad for you, Bobby. Why? Because you are going to receive so much hate. When uh when uh, Antonio Brown was um, <laughs> signed by the Patriots, I, I tweeted out my thoughts, and it's an instant reaction, right? Sometimes we have to think these things through for a full day before you know, like kind of let it, let them marinate a little bit. But I felt like I was spot on with my, my Julian Edelman take when I said I believe he's a low upside wide receiver three. Yeah, that's what I've got him too. I've got him uh, wide receiver twenty six. Yeah, it's not saying he's a bad player; like he's one of the better wide receiver threes you can have. But he has low upside. When I say low upside, he's not going to finish as a wide receiver one. Uh, he was someone that I was I was actually high on. I had him as my number 17 wide receiver as we went into drafts. And But if you guys are going to pretend that all of a sudden Antonio Brown isn't going to come in and like legitimately ruin a lot of his upside, you are on crack. Either the Patriots are throwing 650 passes or Julian Edelman's overvalued. It's one or the other. Yeah, like now here, where would you, where, where do you break it off though? Like if you had Julian Edelman, would you? Do- I, w- I would trade Julian Edelman right now for Sammy Watkins. I was actually just that exact question. I was going to say, who would you rather have right now, Watkins or Edelman? Yeah, give me Watkins, man. I'll tell you what, this time last year in my film takeaway article, I wrote about how Sammy Watkins looked like Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, he just running around with a big old butt looking like he's carrying a piano on his back. Just didn't really look like a football player. Now he's still talented, obviously, but he wasn't the same. Sammy Watkins is in the best shape of his career. You watch him yesterday, he's a completely different player. He's super fast. He's agile, good footwork. He knows the game. He's got Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball. Now Tyree Kill's out for a month. It's a great combination. I'll tell you what, you were dead on when you asked two or three experts what they thought about Sammy Watkins and it was just dead silence. <laughs> a lot of people like, I, I, I appreciate everyone <laughs> reaching out to me and saying nice things because uh, it, it's not nice when I hear mean things about Geronimo Allison. So I, I definitely appreciate the love guys. Thank you. Isn't it amazing, man? You sit there and you write 32,000 words for people <laughs> and the majority of your takes were correct, but because you got a couple things wrong, mm-hmm. Dude, you're stupid. You should be fired, don't you know? If I could like 100% predict the future, I I would be rich, guys. I wouldn't be living in Chicago. I'd be living like on an island somewhere. I'd have my own private island, and I'd be doing podcasts from there. All right. A running back that I'm buying low right now is Joe Mixon. And I never thought that I would say this because I had Mixon very low in my rankings. But you know what? It was a big question mark about what Zach Taylor was going to do, and the question was answered. They're going to have an up-tempo, high-powered offense, whether or not the offensive line is good. And when Joe Mixon comes back, he's going to be a part of that because he's going to play 80, 85% of the snaps, and he's really talented too. So I think you can buy him right now if you won your week one game and if you've got you know enough, enough depth. Maybe you've got Latavius Murray as your number four running back right now, and you can plug him in. Um, I would do that and then take the upside on Joe Mixon because I think he could end up being a league winner. So we're... 
where do you draw the line on Mixon? Like if someone, let's pretend that you have Aaron Jones in one league, would you trade away Aaron Jones for Mixon? It was really close before the injury, but with the injury, it's not even a question. I mean, it's Aaron Jones. What, all right. So I'm going to give you one more name. Devonta Freeman or Joe Mixon. Yeah, absolutely. In a heartbeat, I would trade Devonta Freeman for Joe Mixon. There you go. I, 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 I'd trade Austin Eckler, by the way, for Joe Mixon. I think you could pull that off. <sighs> Damian Williams, same thing. I mean, Damian Williams did have, what, 18 touches, but LaShawn McCoy was involved as well. McCoy looked good. Um, I, I, I would trade Damian Williams for Mixon. What about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, as long as Mixon's injury is not significant and he's not going to miss more than a week, yeah, I would definitely take Joe Mixon over Damian Williams in a heartbeat. All right, do you have another running back that you would buy low? Uh, David Montgomery. I, I mentioned him. I also said Miles Sanders is someone I would buy low too. Oh, good one. Miles Sanders looked so good on film. Oh, man, he's a good football player. Yeah, his final numbers didn't show it, and that's fine. Um, and that's going to allow you to buy low on him. But he did play thir- He played 35 snaps while Jordan Howard played just 14. Um, you know, all the talk about him not starting this and that. There was a long touchdown run he had that was called back due to a phantom holding call. It was a bunch of crap. But uh, Miles Sanders is going to be the leader there. And, and it is going to be somewhat of a timeshare. It's kind of like the same thing as Montgomery, right? Like, just because we expected Miles Sanders to be in a, com- a committee, and he started in a committee doesn't mean it's any different than Montgomery being expected to be the starter and starting committee. Maybe it's just Miles Sanders isn't quite ready to be a workhorse. And in five weeks, he will be. And they'll just give him the keys because he is by far the best running back in this backfield. I mean, you watch his tape. He reminds me a lot of Dalvin Cook, who's a star. I won't say superstar. He's not anywhere close to Barkley, Kamara, McCaffrey, probably in that order. But he's in the in the range with Dalvin Cook, with Nick Chubb in my mind. Who would you rather have, Miles Sanders or Latavius Murray? I know I'm touching I'm touching a nerve here. Latavius Murray. <laughs> I had to make you say it. I knew you were going to. Yeah. You won it? I'd probably take Sanders. I just think the potential's higher. I mean, Murray's, the I think, maybe the safer bet of the two, where it's like he's going to finish as a top 30 running back as long as he's on the field, where Sanders, I, I, I guess I could probably say the same thing about Sanders, but uh, it might take him a little bit longer to to be the, that consistent option you're looking for. Give me one more name tags before we end the show. Okay, I'm going to sell Tariq Cohen. Uh, I, I said I was buying David Montgomery. Uh, Tariq Cohen didn't have a single carry in the Bears game, and there's there's kind of a reason for that. I don't want to go into it. I talked about it on the Sunday recap show. Uh, we went into that, but the reason that he had so many touches in this game is because Anthony Miller only played 15 of 71 snaps, and they had Tariq Cohen essentially playing the slot receiver position for the Bears. Again, the Bears got too cute with this game. Matt Nagy called a crappy game, and um, they're going to need to go back to the basics, which means that Tariq Cohen's going to go back to his, uh, his role that could net six to eight touches per game. It's going to be volatile. Uh, he could be a flex most weeks, but if people are overvaluing him after the first week, I, I would go ahead and sell. I would buy Aaron Rodgers right now. Wait until after Minnesota, dude. Like, they're playing Minnesota this week. I'm going through that game right now, and Aaron Rodgers, five of the last six times that he's played Minnesota under Mike Zimmer, He's totaled uh, less than 300 yards and threw one or zero touchdowns. So um, wait one more week, and then you're going to buy Aaron Rodgers for cheap as hell. That's a good call, man. Yeah, I mean, you go back and you watch it. Of course, it was against the Bears. Like, again, what did you expect? You didn't draft Aaron Rodgers to be good against the Bears. He had a couple really nice throws in that game. He still looks really good. You can worry about him hitting that wall. Aaron Rodgers was awesome last year, and it was the worst year of his career. He's going to be fine. I think you might be able to get him for a bargain. But yeah, I think you're right. I think wait one more week. That's what I would do because I'm actually telling people to sit him this week. Wow! Wow! Yeah, I, I like I'm a I'm a big Rodgers fan, but he looked like crap in Week One. Matt Lafleur is still Matt Lafleur, and the Vikings are a really good defense. And um, yeah, it's 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 just the the history between these two teams. It just it suggests that Rodgers is like it's just not very good. All right, Tags, that's all for today's show. Woohoo! First waiver wire show out the way. I wish it was more exciting though. I wish there was someone that's like 
spend 75% of your fab on it. <laughs> Instead, we're like, you know, I guess you could spend 10% if you really want. Yeah, this is one of those weeks where it's like, I'm really curious to see who's dropped on waiver wires. Make sure to let us know on Twitter who's uh, dropped on your waiver wire. Names that maybe no one would expect, but let us know at Mike Taglier NFL and at Bobby Fantasy Pro. All right, and I want to say thanks to the sponsors of today's show, Fantasy Draft, where you can get a seven-day rake-free trial up to $1,000 of rake-free entry fees at FantasyDraft.com, promo code FANTASYPROS. And thanks also to NFL Game Pass, where you can get a seven-day free trial there of NFL Game Pass by signing up at NFL.com slash FANTASYPROS. And thanks to Pristine Auction for giving us those helmet giveaways. We're giving away a signed Antonio Brown Raiders helmet at FANTASYPROS.com slash contest. And be sure to check out Pristine Auction and use that registration code Fantasy Pros for $5 off at pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com. Don't forget to check out our waiver wire assistant at fantasypros.com slash myplaybook. And remember, that's only available for premium subscribers, so make sure to sign up to go premium today at fantasypros.com slash offers. And also, we've got our live stream Tuesday. It's our waiver wire live stream at youtube.com slash fantasypros. For Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve